social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Jen, if I were to buy you a cameo, who mm. would you want it from? Let's go with Jeff Probst. Ooh. Because he just came top of mind to me. I bet he's expensive. But I'd want him to send me well wishes for my stint on Survivor. Yeah. My future stint on Survivor. Maybe he can give Survivor. you some tips on how to get on the show. Um, we had a real cameo phase for a while. If you don't know what cameo is, you can basically pay money for a celebrity or in the cases that we did, reality TV stars to record messages for your friends and family. They're fun. Very it, fun. It feels like a one-on-one interaction. We've done Chris Harrison. We've done Sherbs from Cheer. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I bring this up is because now TikTok is cloning Cameo with its new shout-outs feature. Of course they are. But it actually gives influencers a way to make some more income, I think. That's true. It's functioning similar to Cameo, where in the app, fans have the option to pay for stars to send a personalized video. And really all you do is request it, share a few details, and wait up to three days for your creator to accept. That's pretty quick. So on the topic of celebrities Mm -hmm. and influence, um, did you see that the NFL moved from Clubhouse to Twitter Spaces? I did. And some of our listeners will remember that we mentioned the NFL Clubhouse being an account to follow Times some episodes changed. ago. Yeah. So the NFL actually has a longstanding partnership with Twitter. So the change makes sense since the rollout of Spaces in general. Okay. I feel like so far all we've talked about is networks copying each other of course that's all this is (laughs) last but not least we want to talk about a feature that instagram is testing yeah so there was commentary a little while ago about how instagram didn't want you to reshare feed posts to stories and now they're actually testing a way to make that harder So instead of, you know, the little like, I, it looks like a paper airplane to me. What is that icon? It is. It's a paper okay, airplane. Okay, the paper airplane send icon you used to be able to hit that to share to your story. They're testing a way where you can't share it from the feed at all and you have to go into create mode mm-hmm. within your stories where it will then resurface some of your most recently liked or viewed posts and you have to scroll through them and find the posts that you want to share. I think the goal is to make users more intentional about what they're sharing. Yeah, that's what they say. More deliberate. So it's not just kind of spamming followers. But if that's how people are using the platform, let them do it. I'm with you. Okay, who are we talking to today? Today we are talking to Carrie Straylaw, who is a senior social media specialist at St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Carrie's actually been with St. Jude's for over 18 years. So there's a lot of stories to unpack in this interview. So let's hear it. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to All the Social Ladies. Hi. It's so great to be here. We're going to jump right into our social media speed round. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Let's do it. What is your favorite social network? I am obsessed with Instagram. Do you pronounce it GIF or JIF? Oh my God, it's such a GIF. (laughs) It's like a gift. GIFs are... Yes, yes. I agree. What Instagram ad can you not get rid of? Well, um, (laughs) I'm about to get married and I ordered my fiance's ring. Ooh. I already ordered it. I don't need the ad to continue to (laughs) feed me. I should buy a ring. It already happened. (laughs) Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. What is your go-to emoji? Is it the ring emoji? <laughs> oh, no. Um, it is the the girl that has her hands on her eyes or the monkey. Oh, the monkey. Oh, Classic. Yes. That's my favorite as well. 
Who is your favorite celebrity to follow on social? Kate Hudson. I fell in love with her after Almost Famous. I'm obsessed with I Was a Groupie, which I love. If anyone knows the movie, you don't call them groupies, you call them band aids. Yep. (laughs) And have followed her ever since. And I'm huge into music. She was married at one point to one of the singers in Black Crows. Yep. But she's just so fantastic on Instagram. What about stories or feed posts? So from a personal perspective, I do love a story. Yeah. From a business perspective, I think it's very important to make sure that you include a feed post Mm -hmm. because you're not going to get everybody. You want to make sure you do both. Okay. And last question. What was your first screen name? Oh, well, I (laughs) this is going to show my age. Screen name to me dates back to the AOL days when there was a dial-up. And mine was Chica Bella, which is like, I don't even know what I was thinking. Um, But the funny thing was later on, I named my cat Bella. So it just, you know, full full circle circle moment. That's really funny. Amazing. Okay, Chica Bella, let's get into the interview. I had to. I love it. We wanted to say, like, out of all the guests that we've ever had on the show, I think it's safe to say you're one of the most longest tenured at the company you currently work for. And in stalking you on LinkedIn, we know you've been at St. Jude's for a while now. I want to just hear about your career to this point. Give us, like, your elevator pitch. I started in college with the mindset of being in marine biology because I love dolphins. And this Mm. just goes to show you the sort of turn, but also dotted line you can have when you're in school and why it's so important to go to college. (laughs) You just never know. I took my first college biology class and got a D and thought, "Uh, maybe this is (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) I love dolphins, though. (laughs) Dolphins are great. So... A friend of mine, my roommate, and we were really good friends in high school. She said, I really want to go into the journalism school, but you have to take an entry exam. Will you take it with me? Oh. Voluntarily take a test. Yeah, just for fun. Uh, Unheard of. Just for fun. Mm -hmm. Voluntarily take a test. I did, and I did well. And I've always loved writing, and I thought oh, well, maybe this is really what I should be doing. And so that's kind of how it started. And I graduated with, I think I took a PR 101 class when I was already employed. Mm. And so that was kind of interesting when you're in class and you're learning one thing, but you you know, I was very hard not to raise my hand and say, but that's not really how it works. Right. In practice, it's something completely (laughs) different. Yes, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, very, very good to have that foundation, make sure you go to school. But it was interesting to to see what is taught and that's what you need to have but then when right. in practice it was different and when I was in school I got an internship at the Memphis Zoo love that yes do they love- have dolphins there no dolphins in Memphis Damn. no but I learned to love other animals <laughs> and I worked in their PR department on their magazine back then the very start of websites I think social maybe I don't even know if that point was 98 so I don't know definitely I had no idea I had a big Rolodex we used the fax machine right (laughs) so from there I was there for five years and then came to St. Jude um, which is located only in Memphis and it was kind of interesting to switch from doing PR about animals where you can kind of like get them to do what you want or not. You know, it was based right. on if they were awake or not right. versus people right, who had a <laughs> solid schedule and solid opinions and 
Um, so it took a little bit of an adjustment. I bought a medical book, which I didn't realize I didn't need because you sort of learn in the moment. Right. Of course. Yeah. I, I entered PR while I was still in school. It was such a fit for my personality. I think of public relations as the P stands for proactive and the R stands for reactive. Yes. Love that. In an ideal world, you want to be proactive versus reactive. The reality is that's not always how it happens, but you should when planning a campaign, whatever it looks like, think of all of the possibilities that could happen. That's your job, no matter mm -hmm. what area of PR you're in, whether it's social or marketing or whatever, that's your role is to think about those opportunities. So we didn't have a lot of crisis at the zoo. <laughs> we did have some animals escape. Ooh. Nothing crazy. There was one time I was in the gift shop and a lemur walked by and walked right out the gate. And we're like, uh, that's not something you see. You know exactly. <laughs> right? Yes. So I do miss that. And I'm still very close with the people at the zoo. But yeah, I've been at St. Jude for 18 years. Wow. Started out in media relations, working with everybody from local media to CNN, National Geographic, Scientific American stations from Japan and, wow. you know, the BBC ran the gamut of, you know, fantastic opportunities to work with really, really great investigative reporters with our faculty and staff at St. Jude. And then about five years ago, December, we had a digital media director come and made the case to have a full-time social media person because before I was sort of doing it right. on the side and about 20 people had to read a tweet. You know, it was kind of like, wait, yes, right? And understandably, from an institutional perspective, St. Jude is not only patient care, but research. And there's so many things you have to, going back to PR, you have to think about what's the right time, what are the right words, you know, those kinds of things. And so initially, there was hesitation. Even as an employee, you could not access social media from your computer at work. Oh, wow. So that all changed of course, for the better, which is great. So I've been doing social media since December 2015. And it changes, <laughs> as you guys know, sometimes hour yeah, by yeah. hour. Oh, yeah, we've lived it. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you because you've been in this industry, you know, for so long and been in the networks, what has been like the biggest change that you've seen? Like, what do you think is the one big thing that from when you started to now is that like, oh my God, kind of moment? It is incredible that you as a person, you as an organization can promote yourself. Yeah. Yep. Back in the days of, you know, I'm very into music and back in the day of the entry of MySpace yep. <laughs> was such a great, yeah, I'm saying these words and people are like, oh my God. Like, no, we love MySpace. We oh. think about it fondly, actually. <laughs> right? So MySpace was such a great opportunity for bands who were not signed right. to get their music out, to promote themselves. And it was like this free opportunity for promotion. And that whole world has changed where absolutely pull in professionals, especially when you're an organization, not everyone, everyone maybe thinks that they can do social media. <laughs> no, you shouldn't for an organization if you don't have that like solid foundation. Again, you know, having experience, yeah. going to school, that kind of thing. 
But I think the the opportunities to share and 2020 was such a fantastic example of that where, you know, I think at some point Pew Research said it was like 48, 50 percent of people were using social media more in 2020. Yes. May 2020 Harris poll. That's what it was. Harris poll, March to May, 46 to 51 percent of adults were using social media more. And so while people were not being able to connect, what did they do? They turned to social. Mm -hmm. Bands went live for the first time. You know, you got to see Rob (laughs) Thomas from Matchbox 20, his living room, right? You think now we're best friends. I totally felt that way about the award shows too, like seeing all the celebrities homes and who dressed up and who didn't. It's just a lot more intimate. Yes. There are some things I feel like we definitely need to be keeping. Right. Right. (laughs) And so I think that for PR and specific to social media, it's just going to continue to change. You know, when someone is like, I have this thing to post on social, we have to look at what's going on that day, right? It might not be the right time to share it yeah, uh, because it yeah. just changes so rapidly, which is exciting and challenging. At, at I was going to say, it's definitely the blessing and the curse. <laughs> like it, yes. it functions in tandem too. And with the emergence of influencers who are not classically trained social media professionals either, it's like these everyday right. people are now publicizing themselves and they're not looking into what today's current events are what national holiday it is. Easy to get canceled. Easy to get canceled. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Yes, absolutely. I mean, in 2020, we saw so many things that we had never paused before as a hospital on social, mainly because we really wanted to build. We had to kind of start from scratch five years ago. So, you know, we didn't have a presence anywhere except on Twitter. So how do you build that while posting content? Still relevant, still strategic, but posting content every day. And in 2020, there were so many times where we, as an organization and other hospitals as well, paused. Took the breather. Mm-hmm. Yes, like Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. misinformation about science, yeah. um, you know, what was going on with the election. There were just times when you had to say, okay, so today is white coats for Black Lives. And what are we going to do? Are we going to do something or are we not? And what are most people, you know, in the hot social media hospital realm, right. what are they doing? I'm part of a really great group that we kind of have those conversations. And personally, it was a little hard to take a step back and let things kind of breathe, Mm -hmm. but it needed to happen. It feels like you're doing something wrong personally. I remember feeling that way as well. Yeah, it was very weird. Because when your business is and your day-to-day life is always on, it's like, wait, I can be off. Am I allowed to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Also educating people that while it was very important to take those days off social media or some people did takeovers. Mm -hmm. I remember Hillary Clinton did a takeover. You know, several celebrities did takeovers. They wanted to give them a voice and to use those opportunities. Also educating people that social media doesn't stop. So paying attention to that conversation was still important. Okay, so we took today off. Do we take tomorrow off? Do we go back? How do we go back? What does that look like? Because if you're off for too long, then people ignore you because they think you've just like, oh, well, St. Jude isn't talking anymore. So next. That's when they hit the unfollow button. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. 
You mentioned building the channels from scratch, you know, five years ago and you, you started them. I want to hear a little bit more about the audience that you're building on the St. Jude's Research Hospital pages and who the content is for that you're creating. Sure. St. Jude to me is like a puzzle. So there's the hospital, you know, patient care, medicine, research aspect. Um, and that's what I work for. Then there's the fundraising organization, which is separate from St. Jude, but they only mm-hmm. fundraise for St. Jude. And that is the channel. They kind of got onto social media first. There was a direct you know, ROI for them where if we post something on Facebook and someone clicks and yeah. donates, we yep. see that funnel. And we didn't necessarily have that at the time. So they kind of ventured out there first. So they are focused, you know, on the fundraising, donation, you know, celebrity right. campaigns and things. And then for us, we are the hospital. And just because it says research, going back to how many people looked at it, there were probably 20 people who decided what that handle <laughs> would be. Because we have such a long name, right? It's not just research. It's not just clinic and not just hospital. Well, we we decided St. Jude Research, even though what we talk about is connected to the scientific, medical, clinical, you know, things that our employees do is kind of where it stems from. Yep. Got it. So top workplace, awards, honors. Um, if we have a symposium, we want clinicians or scientists to attend, um, of course, now virtually, profiles on our staff. We do some patient education, disease summaries, and clinical trials. So at St. Jude, you have to be referred to be a patient and you have to fit within a clinical trial that we have open. I see. Yeah. So it's important for us when we talk about those open clinical trials to make that connection of this is open, this is the disease, you know, here's how you learn more to get your Let's say your child mm-hmm. is just diagnosed and you want to come to St. Jude, your physician has to refer to our physician to, to get in there. So that's kind of overall where we are, you know, our focus. And then audiences, we kind of covered the gamuts from, um, I call them comparators. We couldn't do our research or our clinical care without working sure. with other hospitals. St. Jude is pretty small when it comes to, you know, we only have 78 beds because most of our kids mm-hmm. are outpatient. And, you know, so our research, you have to be collaborative. So we have comparators, collaborators, and of course, scientists, clinicians, recruitment and retention is very important. And that comes out of our channels as well. So the faculty, staff, um, we have a grad school, postdocs, trainees. Of course, we talked about referring physicians, patients and families, and of course, media and people who are generally interested in scientific and clinical care. Yeah. So it's a a little bit of everything. I was going to say literally everyone, (laughs) everybody. Yeah. I'll just share audiences. We reach everybody. And the tone and the voices, you know, they, it changes per platform. Sometimes it doesn't just based on, you know, time crunch when you know you have to get something out. It's like, okay, well, I'll just Make sure the handles match the handle per platform, but we're mm-hmm. going to send the same, you know, send the same message out. Well, I'm curious because a lot of the things we just talked through and, you know, the, the types of content you're creating tend to be complex, you know, when you're dealing with science and research, <laughs> um, it's not always easy to get the point across in, you know, one image or one sentence tweet. So tell me a little bit about how you are, you know, making it more digestible for social and 
appealing to those different audiences broadly? That's a great question. It's a loaded question, Michelle. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's why I bought a medical book when I started. <laughs> right. I was going to make that joke too. <laughs> I very much rely on the scientific and clinical subject matter experts. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking they're kind of like influencers in a way. As I was scrolling through Absolutely. the channels, they're yes. these thought leaders and yeah. yes. influencers of the pages. Yes. Our employees are amazing when it comes to sharing, particularly on Twitter. Twitter is huge for us. That's where journalists, scientists, yeah. clinicians are. If it's coming from our channel, it's either something that um, one of our science writers or our clinical writers have, have written and they kind of send to me and say, here's what the paper is about in this you know, little chunk. Can you massage it for social? Right. And over the years, you kind of learn the lingo and the words and, you know, what your different diseases mean, what different, you know, mm -hmm. cryo EM or, you know, structural biology, those kinds of words. But it really is based on, you know, I have to partner with the scientists and clinicians and our writers in our department who are a little more skilled <laughs> at that than I am. So it's a, definitely a collaboration. It's like, hey, explain this to me simply. Yes. Shifting gears a little bit from maybe the educational side of it to just awareness of the work that St. Jude is doing, um, I imagine you are responsible for telling some pretty powerful or emotional stories mm -hmm. just because you're dealing with cancer and children. What is that like for you? And maybe is there a story or something that you put out on social that was very memorable to you in your career? That's a great question. It's been so long. There's so many. Um, I, yeah, I can imagine. But two come to mind in particular. When you've worked somewhere for a long time, you get emotionally attached to those stories, mm -hmm. right? And those people. But at some point... I was walking through the hospital and I saw a friend of mine and I thought, what is she doing here? Mm. Her child was just diagnosed. Oh my God. And that, that just made, yeah. it just flipped this other switch where my passion to tell those stories, you know, I'm never going to be a researcher or a clinician. I'm the storyteller, one of many, that extra switch of this is about that kid. This is for that kid, my that kid. friend. Mm -hmm. And since then, the number, you know, unfortunately of people who I knew before who then become the family of a child diagnosed as grown. So it's just a more, it feels right. really personal. When I got into PR and looking for jobs, I wanted to work and still always want to be somewhere that means something. Of course. Yep. No offense to people who do PR for like hardwood floor company. <laughs> fantastic lumber liquidators, whatever yeah. it is, you know, you've got your, your thing, but I'm just built in the way where I want to tell an authentic story. I want to be truthful. Mm -hmm. I want it to mean something. You know, I'm not on the fundraising side. They do an amazing job. I'm telling the stories of the people behind the research, the people behind the clinical care that eventually impacts people like my friend. Right. And that, that, that's incredible. I, when I was younger, did an interview with someone to get a, a job and this person sat and I had been working at St. Jude just for mm -hmm. a little bit. And I thought, you know, oh, let's see what else is out there. You know, you kind of get a niche, whatever. Little did I know I'd be at St. Jude <laughs> as long as I have been like the first three years is there. Well, the company, the agency, one of their clients was a tanning salon. Oh, wow. 
And they said, (laughs) would you, you know, this is one of the clients you would have. And I said, this is probably going to, you know, get me out of the running, but I got to be honest with you. No tanning salon. Not for me. No, (laughs) not for me. Um, Someone has to do it and that's fine, but I could not inside me promote. Right. You can't feel good about it. You know, they were very understanding and obviously that didn't work out, which is completely fine because I totally love my job, but um, it was an interesting experience. I can't imagine what impact seeing your friend in the hallway like that had on the mindset that you were bringing to the content that you were creating at that point in time or the PR outreach that you were doing. Like it just feels like it added this extra oomph to it. Like aside from knowing when you already wanted to be passionate about what you're doing and it really, yeah. And that just like hit, it it became really personal. Yeah. I'm trying to find the words because (laughs) I don't want to shit talk about the tanning salons or the lumber (laughs) liquidators, but it truly is, you know, the world is kind of your oyster to tell these stories. And since you have that opportunity, why not make it a powerful one? You know, like we don't need to talk about the tanning oil. (laughs) Right. Let's talk about something impactful that will actually affect someone's life. And, you know, people who do that, like that's completely their thing and and they do great Mm -hmm. work. It's just not for me. Fair enough. So thinking about, again, some of these stories that you're telling, I took a a scroll through YouTube and I imagine (laughs) the video is often a priority because, again, going back to complex information as well, needing a little bit more time or a little bit more, um, you know, visuals and VO to, to get that across. Is that, am I right in assuming that video is a priority for you and have you been dabbling around with like any other other of the emerging video platforms? Video is definitely important. We are very fortunate to have an on-site video production crew and photography and graphic designers and people who can do animation. So we're so fortunate in that. And people learn in different ways and, and of course, you know, experience and kind of absorb information different ways. So some people want to read, some people just want to look at the picture, some people want to listen to a podcast podcasts and then there's video, right? And we know that it's something like upwards of 70, 80% of people who are scrolling through a platform are going to stop on a video, A, and B, are going to watch it with no sound. Right. So video to tell our stories and to, to your point, have our researchers and our clinicians explain their work and what they're doing themselves is also important. Again, going back to that authenticity, that truthfulness, and that connection. Yep. We hope that you never have to come to St. Jude unless you want to be an employee, right? Nine times out of 10, you're never going to walk through a laboratory, but we want you to know what that feels like. And yep. video is a perfect way to do that. Michelle had mentioned the emerging networks and I, in reading your bio too, it's like you mentioned Snapchat and Periscope. I just can imagine how access to things like feeling like you're there. Yeah. Like the in-person stuff comes so much easier with those platforms because it can be raw, it can be authentic and kind of in the moment. Absolutely. And I know Periscope is goodbye and Snapchat. Yeah. No longer. longer, Um, And Snapchat (laughs) kind of changed focus a little bit. And so we don't necessarily use that as much. I'm trying to figure out how to use Snapchat and and what's the best way and strategically for us, (laughs) like TikTok, same thing. Um, We're not on TikTok, but there's, you know, what opportunities are there? Because there are definitely people who 
you know, taking advantage of the audience, but you also want to think, is that really the route we want to take and the look and feel? Um, it's not perfect for everything, right? I was going to interject and even oh, say like right. things like Clubhouse too, where experts are sharing their voice a little bit more freely. I'm sure there's a lot to consider when it comes to who you're speaking to and to keep the authority is probably yes. very important. And I can imagine that's why TikTok or Snapchat are, is a little bit more challenging because of the audience that's there and how quickly false information can spread on those channels too. Yes. Back to 2020, you know, the election was challenging because while we were in, you know, in this pandemic, the interesting thing for hospitals and research institutions, which St. Jude is both, um, was all of a sudden people were hearing words that those of us who've been in the industry already knew. PPE, messenger RNA, mm. and vaccination and all of those kinds of things that we already knew. And people are like, what's that? And so well, one day you said this and the next day you said that. It's like, well, but that's how science works. Yeah. <laughs> At first it was frustrating. Like, well, how do you not know this? But also, well, why would you know that? You don't have to. Mm-hmm. Right. You wouldn't have to. And I think that with all of these new and emerging platforms, it is a little more challenging to get your message out there if you're not on there, but also, is it the right place for you to be? You know, everybody's on Clubhouse. Well, is that really where your business needs to be? Um, And if you are, can you carry your authentic voice over there? and match it to the audience that's looking for information. I'm a big supporter of what you said of not just joining a platform <laughs> or joining a trend because you want to show up there because other people are like actually putting yes. through the thought. One of my favorite questions to ask is like, why do you want to be on Instagram? <laughs> and if the client can't answer that question, then there's some things that need to be discussed. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not for everybody. And that goes back to Personal versus professional. Personally, absolutely. Get on stuff, try it out. You know, while St. Jude, the hospital is not on TikTok, I'm on TikTok. I need to know what that is. Do I use it all the time and look at it? No, but I need to know what that is. And when we had a director of digital media, you know, she... I learned a little about TikTok. She was on Clubhouse. She kind of like took, you know, what can we do with it? And. I think that, like I said, personally, you can, you know, definitely learn and jump on those. But I was in a, I was taking a class last year on social media and it was funny because the book was mentioning Google Plus <laughs> and MySpace and it was like, mm, none of these exist no. anymore. Yeah. Um, and so it can be a little challenging when you think, what do you join? And I think, you know, again, personally, yeah. it's different. When you're doing something for an organization, you really do have to think about what are your goals? Who's the audience and how do you connect with them while still keeping your authentic tone and voice? Yeah. Yeah. I want to segue a little bit here to thinking about the St. Jude Pause account because we talk about, you know, just now joining the networks that make sense for the brand. Obviously, people love dogs on Instagram. <laughs> Tell us about Huckleberry and Puggle and why you started the St. Jude Pause account. Wow. Well, Huckleberry and Puggle, as we've been talking, I got a text from Huckleberry. So that's kind of funny. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, yes, we've taught our dogs how to text. How to text. St. Jude is very special. So it's the science. Yeah, we can't we can't tell you about yeah. it yet. <laughs> the child life program at St. Jude 
food, got Puggle and Huckleberry. Um, there are many hospitals throughout the country that have these facility dogs where they are specially trained to work with patients on, you know, a multitude of things, but really kind of keeping them calm and distracted during some things. So mm-hmm. some of their treatment, making, you know, giving them um, some joy. Mm-hmm, yeah. And when those dogs were, you know, going to, the conversation occurred um, and we were, you know, as a communications team brought into that conversation and someone said, oh my gosh, we need to have a dog account. And I am currently, or I was at the time, the only social media person, like full-time social media person. Yeah. And I thought, who's good? Like, I love dogs, but who's going to have enough on my plate? Obviously, (laughs) I was totally on board. It was just a matter of how do you balance all of that? So they came and we had our video team go to the facility where the child life specialist got to meet the dogs for the first time. And so we have, if you go on to their Instagram account, there's a link where you can go to the page and you can kind of go through their journey and see some of the videos of where they first met. Mm. So it's incredible. And I love this. I, I, like I said, I got a text from Huckleberry. Sometimes I get texts from Puggle. Of course, it's their child life specialist, <laughs> but because they're with them all the time, um, they're the ones who send me content and photos that I am able to post. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. We have meetings where we talk about observances coming up. You know, is it National Hamburger Day? Is it national, you know, what whatever the day <laughs> is that we can make relevant to the dogs. Initially, we really wanted to keep it connected to their job at St. Jude. And we still try to do that in connection to, you know, working at the hospital during the pandemic, right. um, if you scroll through, through, you'll see some photos of them doing virtual meetings with their child life specialist. It's so cute. They um, definitely were involved with Zoom meetings. They Zoom, they text, they take selfies. They're so technologically savvy, these dogs. I'm kind of jealous. I'm zooming. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been incredible to do that. <laughs> wow. This was so fun. I love hearing about how this has kind of come to life for you and hearing your career kind of unfold and learning all of these things and being at the forefront of emerging media. It's just so interesting to hear. Thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. It's been great. Something that struck me that Carrie said was how she's using social to give people an opportunity to walk through the doors of the children's hospital, even though most of us hopefully never will. never have to. Yeah. Um, And I think using social media as a tool for that to really, again, see behind the curtain and Mm -hmm. get to know what these researchers are doing and all the amazing hard work and science that's going into um, it yeah to, to be heroes for these children it really is eye-opening mm-hmm. all right so moving into the account that we want you to follow this week first i'm going to pose a question to you michelle okay do you follow any gas stations on social media i do not i feel like it took me moving to the east coast to hear people who are obsessed with gas stations at all what's Ugh. the one that everyone talks about wawa wawa there's so many people who are rolling their eyes at you right now and quick it? check like the wawa sandwiches or the wawa mac and cheese i don't oh, know it's all it so good but no i have not followed a gas station on social media before okay i'm gonna suggest that our listeners follow conoco which, interesting yeah i am Highly impressed. And I recently read an article that was titled, I hate that Conoco is so good at social media and I have to agree with them. 
Not only is their Instagram a piece of art, there's a lot going on here, but they also have a video on YouTube that is a 46 minute mix of songs to drive and pump gas to. Because <laughs> everyone needs that. But it's produced by a DJ. No, I think that's awesome. The content that they're putting out there is just different than what you would expect from a gas station, and I applaud them for that. Totally. Agree. So go give it a follow. Thanks for listening. All the social ladies, all the social ladies, all the social ladies. All the social ladies, all the social ladies, all the social ladies, all the social ladies, now put your phones up.